Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Hi, this is Jimmy Evans with Marriage Today. This podcast is dedicated to equipping families with the teaching and tools they need to succeed. We hope you enjoy this episode and subscribe for more marriage building content. The first thing that happens when you do what the Bible says and fulfill your role is you're both attracted to each other and you both feel safe around each other and so you're able to open your hearts and have the intimacy that you're supposed to have in marriage. Number two thing that the roles do from Ephesians 5. The roles in Ephesians 5 release the potential in our spouse, okay? If we could reach our potential without marriage, God wouldn't have created it. Because God created everything he created in Genesis 1. In Genesis 2, he said it was very good, except in Genesis 2.18, God said, that man being alone is not good. He needs a helper. He's not going to be able to fulfill the, the call and destiny I have on his life by himself. He needs a wife. And this, this is an interesting little tidbit here. And that is a 48-year-old married, a 48-year-old married man has a 90% chance of reaching the age of 65, and I'm 65. A 48-year-old single man has a 60% chance of reaching the age of 65. Men are dramatically better off with a woman in their lives. Now, I always pause right there to let a smart man say amen. There you go. You little late. That's a point getter right there. That's when you look at your wife and say, Amen. Because women, are, women are, are good for us. If we could reach our potential on our own, God wouldn't have created marriage. And so let me talk about men for just a minute. The Bible tells men in Ephesians 5.29 that we're supposed to nourish and cherish our wives. Those are agricultural terms. And nourish means to feed to maturity. It means literally you're, you're watering it, you're feeding it, you're fertilizing it. And then the word cherish means to keep warm. You're protecting what is growing there? You're protecting. So the, the purpose of a man, of a, a husband in a wife's life is to help her reach her full potential in God. To nourish, a good husband is a good greenhouse. We create a protected atmosphere of nurture for our wives. And we protect them from anything that would get between them and God's destiny for their lives. Literally, when God created your wife, he created her with a destiny and your job as a husband is to partner with God to make sure that she fulfills her destiny. When Karen and I got married, I was dominant and I was a chauvinist. And uh, it was my way or the highway and I had no concept that I was in Karen's life to bring her to her potential. Honestly, I thought, I thought her potential was just being my wife, honestly. And uh, we had horrible marriage, almost divorced, and then God changed me and I repented. And I began to nourish and cherish Karen and partner with God to bring her to her full potential. And Karen, I mean, she's phenomenal as, as a woman, what she's accomplished in, in every regard. But understand this, the most important gift that God gives a man is a wife. And the number one stewardship that we will be called into account for in heaven one day is what we've done with her. And history proves that men have put women down and used them for their own purposes for millennia. 
And what God's word calls men to do is not to use women and not to put them down. What God, God's word calls men to do is to nourish her and cherish her. And if God has called her to be a stay-at-home mom, a doctor, a worship leader, a missionary, a, an astrophysicist, whatever she has been called to do, to our hurt, to our hurt, we are in her life to make sure she gets to her full potential even if we don't get to ours. Jesus Christ, our husband, the one that we're supposed to be like, he died for us on the cross so that we wouldn't go to hell, that we would be seated with him in heavenly places. That's the, that's the exact example that we are given. So literally, we are in our wife's life to nourish and cherish her. And that women love this. What women hate is being put down. They hate being used. They hate being treated like they're not an equal. And I don't blame them because they're, they're precious and they're supposed to be nourished and cherished by us as their husband. Let me talk about women for just a minute. So women become in an atmosphere of security when, when they're being nourished and cherished by their husbands. This is how they, they become. Men don't become like that. We don't need security like women need security. Um, we become in an atmosphere of respect. So Ephesians 5.22, uh, when it's summarizing Ephesians 5, it says, let a wife uh, respect her husband. Proverbs 31 is an interesting chapter that talks about an excellent wife. And it says of the excellent wife, her husband is an elder in the gates of the city, but it doesn't attribute it to him, it attributes it to her. Her behavior produced an elder in the gates of the city. And here's what I believe. I believe she treated him like an elder before he became an elder and he became an elder because men arise to the level of respect that they get. We're very motivated by respect. First Peter three that we read just a minute ago, it said Sarah obeyed Abraham calling him Lord. That Sarah called Abraham Lord. I told Karen, I said, Karen, this is the 21st century. You don't need to be calling me Lord. Just oh great one, something like that. Because I'm, I'm a humble man, I don't need all that, you know. So some women, some women would say, yeah, well, if Abraham were my husband, yeah, I think I could call him Lord too, you know, because he's the father of the faith and he was a billionaire and all that kind of stuff. Well, okay, uh, yeah, that's, that's true, that, that's true. But did you also know on two occasions he lied about Sarah being his sister? Because the Bible says she was beautiful of form and face and two kings on different occasions were approaching Abraham and as they were approaching, he turned to Sarah and said, say you're my sister. Don't say you're my wife, they're gonna kill me. He had a problem with cowardice and lying. And on two occasions, she was taken into another king's home to become his wife and if God wouldn't have intervened, a lot of people would have gotten killed. She called him Lord. She respected him in spite of the fact that he made mistakes. And so I don't know about uh, women's sports, but I can say in men's sports, um, cheerleaders make a difference. We really like cheerleaders a lot. And the thing that cheerleaders, cheerleaders do a couple of things that, that are very important. And the first is they just celebrate everything. They, they're, just, they're just set on, so they just celebrate it. Everything's great and they just celebrate. We just absolutely love that. The other thing that, that cheerleaders do is uh, they say negative things in really positive ways. It's really important. They, so, like the football game's going bad and, and the cheerleaders never get negative, is what they do is they go, defense, 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 hold that line, hold that line. Not, you bunch of losers, would you tackle somebody? 
My grandmother could have caught that guy on her walker. What's wrong with you? They don't do that. That's what we like them. A man will slide down a mountain of razor blades to land in a lake of lemon juice to hear one idiot say, you're the man and we'll go do it again. We don't care about security. We just like praise. Okay, number three. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Here's why the roles in Ephesians 5 are so perfect. The roles in Ephesians 5 disable our sin natures and keep them from destroying our marriages, okay? It is, we have a sin nature, okay? We, all of us in here have a sin nature and our sin nature cannot be successfully married. Our sin nature is full of anger, jealousy, moodiness, selfishness. It's just our sin nature is going to sabotage every relationship that we're ever in. And so if we're gonna have a good marriage, we've got to neutralize our sin nature. You say, well, how do we do that? The roles. The roles in Ephesians 5 neutralize our sin nature. Let me, let me talk about it for just a minute. So the roles are different because our sin natures are different. Now what we have in common related to our sin natures is we rebellion, independence from God. That's men and women, we, all we like sheep have gone astray is what Isaiah says, and that's the truth. We, we have independence and rebellion in common, but our sin natures are different, and that's why the roles in Ephesians 5 are different. So women, uh, let me talk about them for just a minute. Uh, so Adam and Eve ate the fruit, but they ate it differently. They, they had different issues. Okay. So Eve was, by the way, Eve was not present when Adam was commanded not to eat the fruit. So it was up to Adam to communicate that to her. And they, they only had two scriptures in their Bible. Be fruitful and multiply, don't eat that fruit. Okay, pretty easy Bible. Okay. So uh, the devil crawled up in the form of a serpent and started talking to Eve. Now, Adam is standing right here. The reason we know he's standing right there is she ate the fruit and handed it to him. And so he's standing right there. And we know that God, it's time, it's the cool of the day when God walks up. We know that because they ate and God walked up. So they lived with God in the Garden of Eden. And Adam is standing right here. So the devil walks up, crawls up, and begins to tempt Eve. She never talks to Adam and she never talks to God. She sits there and has this conversation with the serpent. And at the end of the conversation, she took the fruit and ate. And all she had to do, all she had to do was to say to the devil, well, now, this is all real interesting, what you're saying to me, because that's, that's not what my husband told me, okay? But let me, let me talk to him, and let me, let's, we're gonna check with God, too, because he's about to show up here, and I'm gonna get back to you. She didn't do that. She ate the fruit without any input. When the Bible says the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, it's not putting a woman down and making her inferior. What it's saying is you can't act without him. In relational independence is the sin of women. Women become independent. And they think they have every, all the wisdom they need to act without their husband. They can even look down on their husband as if their husband is not as spiritual or not as in tune. And so he's not a part of the decision. We are different. We're more objective in some ways. And so if she would have turned to Adam and said, honey, are you hearing what he's saying over here? 
Adam would have said whatever he said, but there would have been a higher chance of them not sinning. If they would have waited for God to walk up, they wouldn't have sinned. But she didn't. The sin nature that has to be crucified in women is acting without their husband's consent. Acting independently. And it says to her, any more than you would act without Jesus, do not act without your husband's blessing. Doesn't mean he's better than you. It doesn't mean he's over you. It just means he's a part of you. And you're not there on your own. And so this is something, let me say this. If you can't, Karen and I submit to each other. Okay, so this is not a dominating man over a submitted woman. If you can't submit to your husband, your sin nature is ruling you and it will harm your marriage. You have to be able to submit and to believe, even if he's wrong, that God is big enough to change it. Apathy is the sin of men. Women are independent, men are apathetic. And women, 99% of marriage counseling is initiated by women. Women are very relational, and men become, and when there's marriage problems, men become apathetic many times, and they check out. Listen, Ephesians 5 says twice as much to men as it says to women. And here's what it's saying. You stand up, man of God, and you be like Jesus Christ. And you love that woman, you lay your life down for her, you nourish and cherish her the way you would your own body. It says twice as much to men. If, if you can't do what Ephesians 5 is saying, it means your sin nature is controlling you as a man. And that apathy, that natural apathy that causes us to check out of relationships when we're uncomfortable or when we're challenged, it will harm your marriage. It will harm your wife. And that's what I did. I went, you know, played golf, worked, checked out. Karen drove her crazy on the brink of divorce. But the roles are very simple. They're not complicated at all. But what they do to our marriages and our relationships is incredible. It creates an indestructible relationship. An honoring woman with a loving man that is sacrificial, that we both are following what God's word says, whether, and by the way, when you read Ephesians 5 and that thing rises up in you, that's your sin nature. And if you can't do what the roles in Ephesians 5 are saying, your sin nature is dominating you. Let me say one more thing and I'm done. The standards in Ephesians 5 sensitize us to be able to understand and meet our spouse's needs. Now, un unmet needs is the number one thing that people complain of when they come to marriage counseling. And they're saying, my needs are not getting met. Well, so with men... Honor is our number one need, then sex. Then we want to be friends with our wives. We don't want to be mothered, okay? And we want domestic support, which doesn't mean women do all the work around the house. It just means women are natural nesters, and women are gifted at turning a house into a home. And so men want honor. They want sex. They want to be friends with our wives. We don't want to be mothered. We have a mother. We don't want another one. We want a wife. And we want uh, domestic support. Women want security. They want soft, non-sexual affection. There's not a cell in a man's brain that can understand that. <laughs> Will you just hold me? That's, that's what she means. That's all she means by it. Men are going, what does that mean, just hold you? Open and honest communication. She doesn't want headlines. She wants you to cough it up with feeling. She wants you to talk to her patiently and fully. And she wants leadership. She doesn't want to be dominated, but she wants you to be the loving initiator of the children, of the spirituality, of the finances, and of the romance. In Ephesians chapter five, 
If women do what God has told them to do in Ephesians 5, their husband's needs are naturally met. It's just natural. You're, you're set on ready. When you have accepted the standard of Ephesians 5 as your behavior, not your parents, not society, not what you see on TV, not what you see in the movies, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. The only thing that works is this. There is no plan B. And when you say, I am going to love my wife sacrificially, I am not going to detach and become apathetic. I'm not going to blame everything on her and wait for her to change. I'm going to be a man of God, and I'm going to be like Jesus. You say, I'm going to be a, a godly woman, and I'm going to respect my husband, even when it's difficult. And I believe if I do the right thing that God is big enough to change my husband's heart. And you take that stance in your marriage, it changes everything. It's a game changer. It doesn't mean you'll never have problems. It just means you'll be able to solve your problems. And it minimizes your problems. I thank God. I thank God. Not only did he created marriage, the special relationship, but I, I'm thankful that he created it perfectly. Evans with Marriage Today, and I want to thank you for listening to the Marriage Today podcast. We believe your marriage has a 100% chance of success if you do it God's way. If you enjoyed today's teaching and want to keep learning, subscribe to the Marriage Today podcast and take some time to leave us a review. Your reviews help us spread the word and can encourage someone else in need. For more great marriage content, check out marriagetoday.com where you can see all of our marriage building resources, videos, articles, and live events.